Hello, hello to all of you out there. Today is September 15th, 2021, and this is the Friendship News Hour presented to you by Bummer Dude Media. My name is Frank. His name is Alex. Happy Wednesday, Alex. Happy Wednesday, Frank. How are you? Yeah, man. Pretty good. Wednesday nice. morning, cup of coffee. That's Can't right. complain, man. Cup of uh, Gunbrow Coffee Joe, actually, here. This is correct. I'm drinking the Space Force. Um, Ooh, same. It's deliciously robust. It is, but uh, we're going to wait to plug them, so that'll oh, okay. come later. How, right. uh, how have you been? Good, man. I got to see you this weekend. Yes. That was nice. I like that. It was cool. You were in uh, Los Angeles, my least favorite place in the world. The city um, of brotherly apples, as I have yes. heard it's called. Something like yeah. that. Yeah. The little apple. <laughs> the West Coast apple. That bitch is uh, dirty, bro. You know, uh, not to jump right into it, but I feel like a visit to Los Angeles would be all you would need to uh, want to oust the leadership of the, <laughs> the, <laughs> of the state in which it resides. Sure. What sure. a terrible place. So, yeah, explain it to me. What, uh, how did that all go down with Mr. Uh, Gavin Newsom? Yeah, so yesterday was the it was election day, the second election day of California's gubernatorial race, I guess. Um, mm. So there's a recall election in California to attempt to oust Gavin Newsom, the incumbent governor of California, and it failed yesterday uh by a pretty wide margin um i think it wasn't even like 60 40 it might have been like 64 37 i haven't mm. looked at the the most recent uh numbers but it was pretty decisive so gavin newsom remains governor of uh california and it will continue to plunge uh into the depths of hell that is already residing and i'm i mean i'm I, of course i'm speaking facetiously here but like I said, it wouldn't take you but 20 minutes in Los Angeles to realize that there's a very serious problem. We were driving to go pick you up. Mm -hmm. And as we're driving, there is a lot that is selling Bentleys and G-Wagons and just the most expensive cars that you could possibly imagine. And literally right in front of there was a row of tents on the sidewalk where people were residing. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It just like that, that juxtaposition is so like, it's odd, but you think about it for like five minutes and you can kind of like begin to realize that, wait a second, this is actually insane. It's getting much, much worse. You guys were kind of talking and explaining like that. There's a ridiculous amount of money that's funneled into this like homeless, uh, I think it's in LA exclusively, but maybe it's all all California. But where they're like funneling money into supporting homelessness and and like those causes, do you think that helps or hurts the situation? It definitely hurts the situation. You know, there is great money in the homeless problem. I mean, tremendous money in the homeless problem. Mm. If you want to make money. Get into uh, homeless activism. I mean, I'm not even joking. There's so many millions of dollars thrown at the quote-unquote homeless problem um, that it doesn't even begin to make sense. And it doesn't do anything, right? It's putting a Band-Aid on a gunshot wound because what they're not, under, what they're not doing is they're not, they're not focusing on the underlying issues. And that is that there is not enough affordable housing 
in California, period. Okay, mm, particularly yeah. in places like San Diego and Los Angeles. San Diego does the same thing Los Angeles does. We just toss money at the issue. Just throw, here you go, millions of dollars. Put up, um, what do we do? We put up like a little like community off the side of the road in, in near Balboa Park where there was like uh, places you could stay and like take showers and things like that. But it was all like a, like a little outdoor city. And I get that that helped quote unquote helps, but it doesn't do anything to solve the issue. And I think that's the playbook for any issue when you're talking about um, the liberal leadership that we have here in California. Anything that there's an issue with, it's just that it needs more money or more, you know, more taxes so we can throw more money at this problem, throw more money at that problem. But if we're not going to address the fact that it's impossibly hard to get anything built in California because of all the uh, committees and, and regulations and people that are, are checking, you know, are you building two feet away from uh, a gas line and it needs to be like three and a half feet and that'll just completely like destroy. That's a terrible example, but like it, there's so many things and, and I'm, I deal with it all the time in my work. There's so many things that you have to abide by that it makes it so hard to do anything quickly and affordably. And so what you have is this ever-growing gap between people who are wealthy, really wealthy, and people who are incredibly poor and getting poor. And I think there was a lot of that uh, spirit that came into um, trying to remove Gavin Newsom. Yeah. Because there's a, there's so many people who are like, well, you're getting, you're great. You're getting, you got way richer over the, the pandemic. I mean, like the rich got incredibly richer. And believe me, this guy is rich. He's got a lot of money, old money. This guy is fully loaded. Yeah, I don't know anything about him. Like, how did he even get there? I don't know. I don't really want to get into it because yeah, it, it, it's going to take a long time. But, sure. um, you know he was able to put his kids in, in private school and they were able to continue to go to school throughout the entire pandemic while he's closing schools and businesses, mm. right? There was that famous French laundry incident. And it was like the day that, uh, the state health secretary said that you couldn't eat indoors. It was like that yeah. day he mm. went and ate indoors at the French laundry. If you know anything about the French laundry, it's one of the most, um, expensive uh, dinner plates that you could buy and located in Napa, California. So there was after, after that, there was a lot of momentum for this guy to get out of office. And then that momentum continued pretty much up until like two months ago there. I mean, there was serious concern that this guy was going to lose his job. And then I think what happened is that there became a clear cut candidate to replace him. And that's when they were able to focus their efforts. So it, it, up until about two or three months ago, it became get Gavin Newsom out of office, right? And everybody was like, yeah, fuck this guy. <laughs> he sucks and he does. And even the people that voted, a lot of people that I've seen through like social media who have voted to get him out of office, even say, yeah, dude, this guy's terrible. But yeah. The alternative is a Republican and we don't want that. So it became, it, it went from get Gavin Newsom out of office to elect Larry Elder, who became a clear cut candidate to replace him if he got recalled. And that's where they were able to focus their efforts. I forget who it was published the article that Larry Elder was the black face of white supremacy. <laughs> Damn. 
I swear to God, man, like, this is the, like this is their, this is their tactic. So this wait, so like that was a story from like a CNN. I forget what it was. I think it might've been Vox. Yeah. I, I don't take me to task on that, I, it, but it, it was, it was a well-known uh, publication that said that. The same publications that probably were not publicizing anything about the white woman that dressed up in a monkey mask and threw a banana at Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Okay. okay. Or the fact that nobody was talking about how Larry Elder could become the first black governor of California and the only black governor in the United States. That was really? never a story. That's really? That was that never a story. surprises me that that hasn't so, happened yet. Wow. Yeah. So Newsom keeps his job. For how much longer? I, I believe next year there's an election. Oh, okay. this, 20, yeah, 2022, there will be an election next year. Um, and the only way that he'll get ousted is if there is a even more progressive uh, candidate that comes in and, and tries to uh, get elected. There's a lot of people who on, on the far, far end of the left spectrum that believe that uh, Newsom is just uh, conservative and, and liberal clothing, which it might be the case. Um, and I want to be very clear, this recall was an emotionally charged effort that was pretty nonsensical and wasted a lot of money. Even if Newsom were to get gotten recalled, you know, all the things that people were afraid of that would have happened if he did would not have happened. I mean, all he would be able to do was get rid of um, mandates or like um, executive orders that, that were put in place by Newsom that aren't challenged by the super the democratic supermajority here in California. Um, and I think this was a opportunity for California to reject in mass wholesale reject, um, the overstep of authority that our politicians have enjoyed through this COVID pandemic. Um, and to call out the hypocrisy and to really say that, we're not going to stand. We're going to stand as one to reject the authoritarianism that has been exhibited in, on our state. Um, and that's not even calling, calling out the, the giant issues that California has. Um, the reason that so many people are leaving the state, uh, this homeless problem that is just spiraled out of control and nobody has uh, any answer for, um, and, uh, you know, we're going to continue to vote for the same policies that we voted for the past, you know, two, three f decades um, that have gotten us entrenched in this mess. And, and it's frustrating as a Californian, as a native Californian, to see the fact that nobody understands that we're just continuing to push so f much further down this road and that because there is no challenge from the other end of the spectrum, right? When I say supermajority, I mean the both houses of of our of our uh, state Congress, uh, the Senate and and the represent House of Representatives in our state Congress and the governor are all controlled by the Democratic Party and have been for some time. So I think it's going to get a whole lot worse before anybody decides to actually focus on the true, true problems that California, is facing. And I think those stem from very constrictive strongholds on our ability to actually progress forward and move forward and build and make California a place that is hospitable. Not even like, I'm not even talking about getting ahead. I'm talking about surviving without having to be on the street, making right. California a place that is hospitable for its citizens. Um, 
make it. I can't tell you how many places in California where uh, less than 50% of, of children uh, are at the correct reading, writing, and mathematical grade level. Um, yeah. that's not an issue at all. I mean, we, we focus so much on social issues here in California that it's, it's nobody's talking about how terribly we're failing our children on the basics of education. Um, and it becomes this, uh, ideological, uh, tug of war. So, uh, a little bit frustrating, but not all too surprising anyway. And, uh, we'll see, we'll see what happens in the future. Well, at least you have your weather. Yeah, at least we got that, and we sure pay for it. <laughs> but it was fun, man. I, I, I like getting to see it for a little while there. We got to go check out the uh, Padres-Dodgers game. They got no, we all got to see Dodger Stadium for the first time, actually, which surprised me that you guys had never gone before. Yeah. Yeah, It's. I mean, I guess it surprised me also that I'd never been there. Although, like I said, it's like my least favorite place in the world. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, I, you know, I don't have any business there anyways. But but I, I, I did enjoy going there and seeing you and getting some po' boys. If you live in LA or you're going to be in the LA area, um, go to Little Jewel of New Orleans in Chinatown and get yourself a, what number did you get? 32. A number 32. And you got it's, the barbecue one or something. Yeah, better. but yours was better. I, don't, I thought yours was better. It was spicy. It was spicy. I, I like spicy, but it was spicy. Whatever they can serve you uh, in a French roll with uh, tons of garlic butter, just order that. Yeah, and it also helps if you take a bunch of edibles and smoke a lot of weed before. Uh, it, it, like, enhances the flavor. Yeah, I suppose if you're into that kind of thing. <laughs> um, also, I can highly recommend in L.A. Uh, to check out Dave's Hot Chicken. I had never had it before. It was Flamo. Get the hot or the extra hot. It was If you're into spicy things, it was very good. I've become a Nashville chicken whore the last year of my life. You said you never had it, right? I'm not, I haven't, no. I, yeah. I've noticed it become a big trend, mm-hmm. and I didn't know what a reputable hot chicken place was outside of Nashville, because I understand that's where it originates. Sure. sure. So I've decided to hold off until I know that I'm getting the real deal. So do you only eat like Chinese food when you go to China or how does that work? Pretty much, pretty okay. much. Gotcha. Or like, uh, not like, okay. So I've only had like chicken and waffles is a, is an incredibly trendy, popular dish, right? You could find it pretty much anywhere you get a nice brunch, right? Mm-hmm. I've only had it two places, hash house and Roscoe's. Okay. And both were just tremendous. I mean, absolutely fantastic i'm sure they were yeah there's a place here on south side chicago called uh chicago's chicken and waffles and uh mm-hmm. i'd like to take you there someday yeah i mean like i would trust it from there too for sure but you know what i'm saying like i don't know yeah. maybe i'm just like it's like uh, uh, uh i'm trying to think of another example i can't but, but yeah i, I, so I know I'm, what I'm you're saying out. nashville chicken's not an incredibly hard recipe where like like i've had it good all over the country to be honest uh i've also had it shitty in some places too though so like uh, for instance, I had it in Toledo, Ohio, and it was not good <laughs> at all. That's like the only place I've ever had it where it was bad. I've had it, mm-hmm. I had it all over, but and it, it's always been pretty flammo up in Wisconsin, down in Nashville, out in LA now. Uh, so I, I bet you you could find a place, but highly recommend if you're into that kind of uh, sweet heat. Cheese curds. I love cheese curds. Only ordered them in Wisconsin. Really? And I wasn't disappointed. No, yeah, you you won't be up in Wisconsin. They're yeah. on the next level there. Precisely. Uh, Al, we got to talk about uh, COVID. <sighs> Why? Because, well, 
it's it's important. I know it's beating a dead horse. I don't. I've I've said it before. I'm not all too stoked to continue to talk about COVID. <laughs> um, but as information comes out, I think we owe it to anybody who uh, decides to pop this podcast on to report the latest. And there is an article out from the Atlantic that is talking about the leading metric of COVID ever since this disease has been in the forefront of our minds, and that is hospitalizations, right? Um, We know that people can get COVID and be asymptomatic. We know that they can have mild symptoms and not need to go to the hospital. But when you go to the hospital, that's when it becomes serious, right? Sure. And then deaths are a lagging indicator of hospitalization. So hospitalizations give us the, or up until, you know, recently, they've given us the best snapshot view of what it is that COVID's doing to any particular community, city, state, or the nation uh, in general. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, but there is a new nationwide study of hospitalization records um, released as a preprint, meaning it's not been formally peer-reviewed yet. But it suggests that the meaning of this gauge, meaning hospitalizations, can be easily misinterpreted uh, and that it's been shifting over time. Now, I have known this for a long time. In the uh, publications that I read and the information I take in, this is not a new thing, right? Um, this is something that has been kind of touted for, for quite some time. We understand that there is a question. And the question is, is it with COVID or is it from COVID, right? So what this, what this study is, is suggesting is that the hospitalization numbers have been misleading. Um, they cite doctors in California that read through several hundred charts of pediatric patients one by one to figure out why exactly each COVID-positive child has been admitted to the hospital. So we're talking about children. According to these researchers, 40 to 45% of the hospitalizations that they examined were from patients who were admitted with something like a cancer treatment or a psychiatric episode. And the COVID diagnosis was merely incidental. Why is that important? It's important because they weren't in the hospital because they had COVID. They came to the hospital and found out that they had COVID. That's a giant distinction, right? And this this is talking about kids in California. They also took uh, 50,000 COVID uh, hospital admissions from the VA, which is a uh, veterans hospital, uh, over 100 of them throughout the country. And they checked to see whether or not a patient needed supplemental oxygen, or had blood oxygen level below 94%. This criteria uh, is how the National Institute of Health defines severe COVID, right? So they said, let's take these cases, let's see which one of them are severe using these criteria. What they found is roughly half of the hospitalized, hospitalized patients showing up on COVID data dashboards in 2021 may have been admitted for a, a reason entirely outside of COVID. Half, 48%, half. That is huge. Again, this is a non-period study. It just came out. And these are interpretations that they're seeing, but it's worth talking about 
because I think, and you know, I've, I've been let down before by my fellow man, but I think any reasonable person hearing these numbers would begin to see that the risk that this disease poses, particularly if you are vaccinated, are minuscule to any long-term um, or, or anything that's going to put you in the hospital for a severe case of this disease and um, your chances of dying from this disease, right? And this study also suggests just how important it is to get vaccinated, right? Um, one of the doctors quoted in this study said, um, you know, I'm getting a lot of people coming to me saying, well, if I'm going to get the vaccine and then get hospitalized anyway, what's the difference? And he's, and he's telling his patients, the difference is that you leave the hospital, right? Mm. Um, and so it's, it's touting it as a big win for the vaccine. Um, but it's also saying, well, hold on a second, we really need to look at this distinction, right? One of the doctors from Tufts University that they were talking to says that we should redefine, or excuse me, we should refine the definition of hospitalization. Those patients who are there with rather than from COVID don't belong in the metric. And I say, amen, sister. Absolutely. The distinction between being in the hospital because you're sick from COVID rather than going in for any other reason than finding out you had COVID is giant. And then it begs the question, how many of the people that have passed quote unquote from COVID actually died from COVID? I remember last year Fauci saying, uh, make no distinction. Every single death from COVID is a COVID death. But then we find out there's tons of comorbidities that add to your likelihood of dying from this disease. Or <laughs> you could have come in for any other reason to the hospital and then gotten tested and died knowing that you had COVID and you may not have even had symptoms, right? Like it could be a giant proportion of folks that have died from COVID that actually didn't die because they had COVID. COVID was just one factor or maybe not even a factor of their death. And that's, I mean, it's not just important. That's everything. That's the entire, it should, I think, shift or direct or drive your entire view focus or, or, or how you see this disease in its entirety. And I don't know, I, I haven't heard any, really a lot of people talk about this, but I, I, would, I would imagine this would be like the most important story that's out there regarding COVID right now. If the data is as skewed as, as I we're reading in this report, like this is the same data that is or has gone to the president that made him issue his decree. Uh, and this would be like the only other newsworthy thing like regarding COVID, I would say that would be maybe beating it. And, and that is that going forward, any company that has over 100 employees now has like federally is mandated to have all their employees vaccinated. So it's like if, if these are the stats and, and these hospital records and all this information we're pulling from is now being used 
to for, you know force vaccinations, it does look a little fishy, especially if, if we're saying that a lot of this information is kind of fucked up. It, it makes you scratch your head a little bit. Um, I'm really, really interested to see the blowbacks of this and how legal uh, his decision is to do this because it doesn't seem constitutional to me at all. There's already companies like Daily Wire came out and said, we're not going to be enforcing this. Um, but, but then it begs the, the other question, like how many Americans are willing to say, you know what, fuck that. I don't want to work for a place that's going to make me do this. I quit. And then like we are already in an unstable job market you know, it, we're pe- with people paying $500 to come interview or, or come take a job, like signing bonuses at McDonald's. Like we never have seen this before. So like what happens now when all these other people to say, you know what, screw this. Like I, I was just talking to a guy this weekend and he said, there's no way I'm getting it. My family, we, we live in, in Oregon. We're going to be moving. We don't know where, but I'm not going to get this vaccine. And I'm not that everyone will do that, but I'm sure a lot of people will. And it only adds to the problem that is our unemployment and job market right now. So I, I really don't know what the hell that that decision is, or, or or why they're trying to force this vaccination on people when it should be a personal liberty for something that's been out for less than a year. Like it doesn't seem like something that should be forced like a measles mumps rubella kind of shot that has been out for years and years and years and there's tons of data behind it and it makes sense to get it like there's a difference yeah i mean and then you're what you're doing uh, a lot of a lot of uh, i've seen a lot of stories that are talking about the concern for like nurses right Mm -hmm. i mean i there's a lot of nurses out there and healthcare professionals that are just not interested in getting this vaccine um and I think they have as good a case of not getting as anybody because they're there. They see everything, right? And perhaps it's not like as drastic as like if you were to be a nurse and you see somebody come in and they have some sort of ailment because they got the vaccine, then now you're privy to that information and and then now you have to make a decision for um, your life because based off of your experience, what you've seen and, and things like that. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, I agree with you now uh, that's more or less speculation. I'm sure that there are plenty of uh, nurses ready to quit their job if, you know, because they have to get this vaccine. Um, but, um, there are absolutely 18 FDA senior officials who are ready to quit their job right now. Mm-hmm. Um, based off of their finding of no evidence that fully vaccinated Americans need booster shots because your original vaccine is still effective against severe illness. Uh, This was a report that came out uh, a couple of days ago. Yeah, it came out on Monday. Um, A group of senior U.S. uh, FDA officials, including two who announced they will soon resign, have authored a report disagreeing with the White House's plan to roll out COVID-19 vaccine boosters next week. Basically, what they're saying is we're not against the safety of our fellow American. We're against rolling out something that is not proven and there is no evidence for, (laughs) right? Um, whatever your thoughts are on why we're going to have boosters. And there's a lot of cynical theories out there that say it's just a big money grab and it's going to be one big circle jerk for a very long time. And the people who are going to benefit are not the people getting the the vaccines or the boosters, but indeed it's going to be the pharmaceutical companies who are manufacturing these vaccines. 
I'm sympathetic to that theory because you can see the giant blowback uh, from the drug ivermectin, which is a very hot button topic right now. Um, But, you know, you're seeing a concise blowback from the biggest mainstream media outlets about this drug that has helped a lot of people right as a treatment for covid rather than a vaccine right right and instead of getting the vaccine you say okay i got covid what can i do to treat it so that it's not bad and that i can bounce back quickly we've seen this with joe rogan right he he took a bunch of other drugs including ivermectin got better quickly and all you hear is uh, people are taking horse dewormer, bunch of fucking morons taking animal drugs because they heard it on the internet and they think it's going to help them. Right. And, and nobody's talking about like, well, Hey, does it help? And if it does, should we take a serious look at it? Right. So th- those stories might lead you to believe that there is a, j- just a big money grab happening and we're rolling out boosters that are unnecessary. Uh, and I, and these FDA officials are are saying just that the vaccines are effective. We just laid out how, you know, how effective they are uh, against getting sick, uh, deathly sick from, from COVID. And um, just because the vaccines have uh, some measurable declining efficacy over time, um, we're seeing that like the Delta variant, right? Like it's effect infecting, a lot of people to the fact where like our infection rates are almost as high as they've been, but it's the effectiveness isn't in not getting the disease. The effectiveness is getting sick or dying from the disease in which they are incredibly effective. So what these, the FDA officials are saying is there's no evidence that these boosters are needed yet. We're rolling them out. We do not agree with the situation. Um, And, uh, Dr. Marion Gruper and Dr. Philip Krauss are among 18 of the officials who have already announced their plans to resign in protest of the decision to roll out booster shots. Like there's a, a notion going on around there and I don't know if I totally disagree with it or not. Um, that it's being said that if they're not going to force vaccinations, that hospitals will put into effect um, basically like a tiered structure of care and uh, they will care especially if a a patient comes in with COVID-like symptoms and they will give preference to those that have the vaccine uh, over those who do not uh, due to the fact that they had the option to go get the vaccine and didn't. So they're going to try to take care of the people that, you know, were socially conscious, yada, yada, and and went to try to protect themselves. Um, Somehow still got COVID, but uh, are given, you know, priority to hospital care. What do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, you might as well start rolling out a social credit score. And you, I mean, you might as well start taking into account everything that anybody does that doesn't fall in line with whatever it is that the majority of people agree are good. I mean, it's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. Discriminating uh, medical treatment based off of the fact that you did or didn't get uh, the vaccine. I, I mean, I, I don't know if you've heard uh, what this fucking asshole Jimmy Kimmel has been saying about uh, non-vaccinated people, but he's just like literally saying, well, good, you deserve to die because you didn't get the vaccine. Now, listen, if you didn't get the vaccine, 
and you die from this disease or you get really sick and you have to go to the hospital. Like, yeah, that's on you. And for sure, the evidence is there that the vaccine is incredibly helpful. And everybody is, is like, I don't know anybody who's, who's not saying to get the vaccine or wouldn't recommend it or saying, hey, listen, I think it's a good idea. But there's a giant difference between that and then, and then taking measures to not give care to somebody because of their decision that like, you're more or less have the, the liberty to make, right? Like, what's the point of, of giving somebody the choice but, to get vaccinated or not and then putting in measures to discriminate against them if they didn't get it? But the idea is like, okay, hospitals at a 99% capacity. We have one bed left. We can give it to a guy that went and got his booster or someone that didn't get their booster. Why would priority be given to the person that didn't try to prevent the, themselves from getting the disease as opposed to the person that did? Well, if you're talking about boosters, then yeah, I mean, absolutely. Not, be, not boost like, vaccine. I'm sorry. Yeah. Just just in general. If there's one well, what hospital if they already bed had COVID? Back, yeah. I mean, but there's one hospital bed left. They're both sick. They're both on the fringe of death. Who do you help? Do you help the person that tried to fight the disease and still became susceptible to it or the person that made no effort to do so? I think you help anybody you can under any circumstances and you don't discriminate based off of their personal preference of getting the, the, the shot or not. I, I think it's a ridiculous notion to say that you would even uh, consider discriminating against somebody who didn't get the vaccine. I mean, you could have your feelings about it and be really upset. Um, and, and in this one particular example that you're you're pointing out, I mean, that's, that's like a awful position to have been in as a healthcare professional, but I don't think you make a medical decision based off of somebody's personal preference. You, you know, I think more or less you have to come into it blind, right? Like, like the person's coming for help for care and you could say, absolutely, this person didn't do uh, what they should have to help their overall health by getting the vaccine. But does that mean that you start discriminating against obese people? Mm -hmm. Say a fat dude comes in with a heart problem and then you have a really fit dude that comes in with a heart problem. Well, I mean, this guy's over here eating donuts and hot Cheetos for every day of his life and then he has a heart problem. Well, what did you think was going to happen? Very true. I mean, you're, it's exactly saying, it's saying the exact same thing. So no, I mean, you, you, you don't, you don't do that at all. Yeah. It's, it's in practice though, right now. I, I was reading about it earlier this weekend about a lot of doctors around the country are, are, are doing that, uh, maybe not officially or so, but they have, uh, going on the record saying that, um, like that, that is how they're choosing to handle it. Cause a lot of hospitals are at hundred percent capacity. I was just at one two weeks ago when my sister got checked into one, not for COVID for something separate, but, um, and the, the nurse there, they were at 100% capacity. The emergency room was overflowed to the point where they had people in the hallways getting care. Um, so that's where I was like, wow, like this thing, you know, I, I kind of thought it was bullshit, but at least with bodies in the hospital, whether they have COVID or not, like there are a lot of people like that are in need of care for one reason or another. So yeah, sure. it, just, it just made me think like, well, if, if you at least tried to protect yourself and still got sick, that's to me... I, I could see why you'd be prioritized over someone that said like, no, I don't want to go get it. But 
to be honest, to me, it should just be based off, well, who checked into the hospital first? That person should get, you know, the health care that they deserve. I mean, I don't know what the what the criteria is or, 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 or how hospitals manage that particular issue. Um, but to, to like say that you should discriminate and, and I mean, that's exactly what J- Jimmy Kimmel was saying. He was just yeah. like, you know, let, you know, let these people just die cause they didn't get the vaccine. Well, it's like, all right, great dude. Awesome. Good for you. Um, you just open the door and, and you could discriminate against anybody for their personal choices in their life, knowing that what they were doing was detrimental to their health and they did it anyway. And now they need assistance medically. Uh, you know, it's, 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 it's the exact same thing. And, and I think the question that we need to ask that is not being asked at all, right? It's like you could present as much data as you want that says this vaccine is effective against this disease uh, in so that you're not going to go to the hospital or if you, if you do get it, you're not going to get sick to the point of being you know, terminally ill. That data is out there. We know that. We have the vaccine. We're not sick, right? But why... Is it that so many of us are not willing to trust this vaccine? Why is it that there's so many of us who can read this data, look at it and say, man, no, still don't trust you. That's the bigger issue. I think it's because it's become politicized. I I think that if it wouldn't have, like if this would have happened, this exact situation would have happened in like the nineties, I think 95% of people would be vaccinated right now. Perhaps, but the biggest number of people who are unvaccinated right now are African-Americans. You tell me that's for political reasons? No, I just think that like there's so much doubt due to political division that's been casted on this thing that like it's making people question it way more than they would have if it was just like, yeah, everyone should go get this. It's like the flu shot. You know, it's for the good of everything, blah, 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 blah. Like, it also happens that, I, I, I don't know, to me it just seems like since it's so divisive and then like you have a, a group like African Americans who, if I, if I am remembering this correctly, there is some discrepancy with the vaccine and, and them and, and like where they have a higher rate for things after the fact to go wrong with blood clotting and other things. So Yeah, I mean, like I think it's easy to, to say like, oh, it's a political issue and, you know, you're seeing a giant uh, spike in uh, Florida and Mississippi and all these red states, right? Well, uh, no, because if you look at the, da- if you look at the data d- even deeper um, on uh, Republican, Democrat, whatever, the, mostly everybody is on par with their vaccination uh, percentages. It's African-Americans, uh, uh, Mexicans or Latinos, whatever you want to call them, that are not getting this vaccine. Uh, we can opine all day of, of why that isn't happening, but two things. One, if you're putting in these mandates, then you're directly affecting these people and their livelihood and their job status. Right? Yeah. Two, nobody is asking why is it that people are so untrustworthy of our government rolling out a vaccine? I was going to say, if there's one group of people that I could see being untrustworthy of the U.S. government, it would be African-American people. Okay. Yeah, exactly. They've been screwed time and time again. To me, that's like the bigger story. The bigger issue here is that we have this medical miracle because that's what this vaccine is. It's a legitimate miracle. 
and we have it. It's here. You can go to Walmart right now and you can get it. We were at the Dodger game. They were giving away vaccines <laughs> at the Dodger game. Okay. That was it's, wild as hell. Isn't that, that was crazy? crazy? Yeah. Oh, I'll get a popcorn and uh, Pfizer. <laughs> I paid seventeen dollars for a fucking tall boy Modelo too. That's robbery. Well, that's a that is the that's America's pastime for you. No. Um, but again, the question remains: Why isn't why are people so untrustworthy of our government, of our institutions? That is the question that we need to ask. It's because because they're we're being lied to twenty four seven. That's why they're untrustworthy of it. That's why there's hesitancy. It's because we're being lied to all of the time. And I think we do a pretty good job on this show of exposing lies from any angle that they come from that we're being told. But then this vaccine comes out and we're told it's for our benefit. Yeah, okay. Sure. And it is. I was going to say, to a point it is. And it is. But but the fact that it's not trusted is the bigger story. That is the that is the failure of all of us and our leaders who are going to continue to peddle in the muddiest of waters and continue to lie and continue to believe that the ends are going to justify the means. And throughout this whole COVID debacle, um, we have been lied to at every single turn about almost everything. Do you think that could have started perhaps with the last administration though? Like if, if it would have been something where Trump came out right away from the beginning and I know that they were working towards a vaccine, but he was never like fully in support of it openly uh, until he got it. Like the first time I heard him say anything about you should get the vaccine was like a month ago when he got booed at one of his own rallies for it. Like, do you think... It also, do you think that like if Trump from the get was like, hey, this is a vaccine, we should get it, then Democrats, because I, I even remember Kamala saying that, you know, anything that, that Trump would recommend that we get, I'm not putting into my body. Like, no, so yeah, it's like, exactly. do you think if Trump would have taken the stance of get vaccinated, that like we'd be in a whole different world now where it would be, you know, well, the Democrats. vaccine wasn't readily available like it is right now when he was president. It, it was that administration. I'm not giving them credit for it, but they just happened to be in power when this vaccine was developed, right? Like it was ready and it was ready literally right after the election. And to your point, what you just said, there were so many officials from the left that said, no, we're not going to mandate this. No, I'm not going to get this. We shouldn't trust a Trump vaccine. I'm not going to get it. If it's Trump's vaccine, this, that, and the other, right? highly politicized from the jump. So, I mean, like, yeah, I mean, you could blame the last administration for, 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 you know, harboring those, uh, ideas of people who don't trust what was being rolled out, especially way back in the early days. Like the first people to get the vaccines, like, Oh shit, man, I don't know. Yeah. Like that. I don't know. And then slowly, but surely we start to realize that this actually is a very good thing for us. But, um, certainly certainly there are people who still do not trust this at all and i think i think instead of recognizing that and being humble to the fact that we're just continuing to tell lie after lie after lie after lie what are we doing we're strong handing it we're enforcing it we're making it a mandate 
And that's like the worst way to try and get people to get the vaccine. And it's even been said, uh, Fauci even said, he goes, no, we're not going to mandate the vaccine. Uh, All that's going to do is uh, make people more skeptical who didn't want to get it in the first place. Look, if you haven't gotten vaccinated already, I don't think there's anything that can happen short of like a family member of yours dying from COVID that's going to make you get the vaccine. But but like this new law, two of my family members, I just had a conversation with them this weekend. They were have been against it from day one. But now that it's lose my job and have to go find something else or get this vaccine, they're both going to get vaccinated. So it, it is going to work like to a point. Like there's still people that won't be vaccinated, but it will make a dent. Like I... People don't want to have to find a new job, especially. I mean, especially now. And again, so, that's that's just the ends justifying the means. There, yeah, they're right. justifying their authoritarian uh, mandates in order for uh, them to say that you know, oh, you know, we got all these people vaccinated, or or, or in the name of public health. Yeah, they're strong arming people without even saying like, oh, you know, there's actually, you know, uh, Israel, for example, we covered Israel. And they're, they even got boosters. Almost everybody there's got boosters now. And they're still seeing a giant spike. So it's like you can't mandate something like this and then not recognize the fact that you're doing it based off of something that is inconclusive. And it goes against everything that it means to be an American as far as liberty is concerned. And uh, that's the concerning part. You're, you're and, right. And, and like you're saying it's for the greater good of, of, of public health. Um, when nothing that we do is for the greater good of public health, literally nothing. If it was, we would have a totally different mindset of how we treat people who are sick or how we have a, a sick care system, not a healthcare system and how we over prescribe drugs at a, a rate that is just astonishing. And we have single handedly created a epidemic of, opiate addicted, uh, uh, people who are falling out of the job market, uh, because we prescribe, uh, opiates, prescription opiates, like they're candy, mm-hmm. right? We don't give a fuck about people's health. This is about power. At the end of the day, it's all about power. It's about being able to stronghold, uh, the, the population in order to say that you're going to get this regardless of what you think or of any other reason that you may not want to get this is irrelevant to your uh, authoritarian government. We're going to mandate it. And uh, if you don't want it, then great. We are going to attack your livelihood. It's, it's disgusting. It's terrible. And those people don't know anything more uh, than uh, any other non-government official who has access to the information and can digest it reasonably. Yeah, just because I, they have an, uh, they're an elected official doesn't I mean doesn't make the what they have to say any greater than than anybody else who can raise any sort of reasonable skepticism around us. On the note of that, uh, I don't know if you paid attention to the Met Gala at all this past weekend. No, um, I did not. But you know, are you familiar with what it is? It's like a big uh, kind of fashion show for very rich, powerful people. Yes. Uh, to which a ticket costs $30,000, uh, yes. and there are numerous other things there that, that go along with it. I think the dinner is like 70, it's crazy. It's a crazy amount of money. And AOC showed up in a white oh. dress <laughs> that said, tax the rich. 
Yeah. Uh, and I just, she's getting torched by the internet. I, I saw one that was like uh, AOC when she goes home and it's Bill Burr laying on the stack of money from Breaking Bad <laughs> um, in the dress. And it's just, it's like, dude, I don't, I don't understand. Like that is such a slap in the face to every single person that you represent pretty much like that your right. party represents. It's, it's insane. Like you're going to go and make these statements in a room, like, does she think she's making some big statement because she's there with a bunch of rich people? Like, no. They don't give a fuck <laughs> about your dress. Like, she, she just looked like a huge asshole to me. I thought it was hilarious. Yeah. I uh, I could care less about that person, to be honest with you. Um, anybody who's as much of an ideologue as uh, AOC, I just, I, I don't, I really could care less what they have to say. And it, yeah, I mean, it's just like hilarious, right? I want to be a part of this gala. I get this invitation and I'm not going to say no. Why? Because you want to go. Of course you want to go. It's the Met Gala. It's the who's who of everybody. You get to mingle and network and, you know, bu- bump elbows with Rihanna and ASAP Rocky and every like any, anybody who's anybody in, in New York. ASAP Rocky's fit was sick, bro. He, he looked like he was laying on the that. couch in an Afghan. And then that she was, was like, cool. do you want to go? He's like, yeah, I'll just take this blanket with me. Exactly. That's awesome. But yeah, you want to be a part of that. Um, but then you're like, hmm. It's kind of against my brand, so mm-hmm. put tax the rich on my dress. Yeah. Well, and also I'm looking it up right now. The tape. So the ticket itself is thirty grand. The, a table is two hundred and seventy-five grand. <laughs> <laughs> Hilarious. So what's the food cost? Hilarious. Yeah. Good for yeah. you. I I think that's. She better have tipped generously. A- anybody who who has the ideology that she has uh you know and and inevitably when you when you when you become a a high profile marxist or communist like aoc is um the ability to become wealthy uh is as great as anybody else who is hardcore capitalist so if you're not living what you're saying then you don't care about it at all and you can hide behind the fact that you're a politician uh, who's involved in some fashion with policymaking in the United States. But in reality, it's not even a drop in the bucket of, of the effect that she has on the greater American society. So she's just parading as this person who thinks that uh, what she's doing is, you know, fighting capitalism or trying to uh, 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 put forth an agenda that is for the less wealthy or you know more disadvantaged among us um and then go to the met gal yeah she's, she's trying to be like the the most woke woke person she sucks head. a lot yes she uh anyway switching gears here we have a couple minutes i wanted to talk about this whopper of a story um that is coming out of long island new york uh there's a woman by the name of gabby petito Gabby Petito and her boyfriend decided that they wanted to become nomads. It's a very trendy thing, this van life. Um, They bought a van, retrofitted it, uh, took their uh, van cross country. I'm not sure if they were working remote. They're young. They were like 22, 23. Uh, So they took this van and they said, screw it. We're just going to go cross country and we're going to live our life. And uh, like I said, very trendy thing going on right now. So these, so Gabby and her boyfriend, um, oh, come on, where is his name? Brian 
Laundry. L-A-U-N-D-R-I-E. Brian Laundry. They had off, uh, I think they took off from Florida and they went to Utah. And then after Utah, they went to Wyoming to Grand Teton National Park. Um, Brian is now home in New York and Gabby is missing. Brian is not talking to the police Mm. and he's lawyered up. Mm. Gabby still missing. Mm. And that's the story. That's literally the story. It's so bizarre. Nobody's saying anything. They found the van and the cops were like, well, she's not in the van. So stop looking at the van. She's not there. Look elsewhere. Uh, the parents are like distraught, but saying, yeah, we think she's going to be home. We're confident she's going to be home. Um, and the boyfriend's not saying anything, not the, his parents are telling him not to communicate with the police about it. I would have to think that he's going to be brought into custody at some point though. I mean, I guess, he, he but he can't if you just don't, sit home and lawyer up forever. If you, yeah, but what are you going to do? How are you going to press charges? Um, missing person. You were last seen with them. Well, that's not much to go off of. It's what not, but it's, an, it's enough to question someone. Maybe not hold them in, in overnight or whatever, but it's enough to question with the lawyer there, my guess. But yeah, yeah, you're right. And they're going across country to parks. So like, where the fuck do they look? Yeah, exactly. So I guess the last place that she was seen, according to, I don't know, the boyfriend, maybe, I don't know, was, was Grand Teton National Park. Um, the mom had said that she had received text messages from Gabby's phone up until August 30th, but she says she's not a hundred percent sure that Gabby was the one that was writing those text messages. Um, she lost FaceTime with her on the 17th of August. So he murdered her. Who knows? What if she's in the van still? I mean like, right. Like, yeah, for sure. But like, uh, why? Like, there's no, there's no motive. They were by all, like by all accounts happy. Um, yeah. I mean, these things can happen in, in these crimes of passion can happen in, in a moment's notice. So, you know, yeah. you, you never know, but yeah, who knows? That That's my guess. Some kind of, maybe crime, it's a stunt. crime of passion or they were climbing and someone fell, but I would think that would just get reported by him instead of ducking the cops. So it seems more like Someone was fucking someone they shouldn't have been or infuriated. There was a, and I, I don't know about if it's still going on or not, but there was like a pretty high profile case of a missing woman here in Chula Vista in San Diego and um, kind of the same story. Husband was like cooperating with the priest, police for a little bit and then he hired a lawyer and stopped cooperating. And, um, so everyone's like, oh, I'm looking at him. It's the husband, you know, obviously sketch super sus, but if anybody's ever seen the movie Gone Girl, yeah, <laughs> the very first thing I would do is hire a lawyer and shut the fuck up. Mm-hmm. That's the very first thing I would do, especially if I was not involved in the disappearance and or murder. We don't even know if she, if she might, you know, sorry to the family of Gabby. I, I hope she's still alive. I hope that she's found. I hope she was just lost, you know, um, but like, let's say she was lost. Let's say they went on a hike and she went missing. Maybe this guy was like, well, shit. 
if I call the police, I'm suspect number one, two, and three because I'm the only one with her. Yeah. And if she doesn't end up being found, then they can make a case that I disappeared her and I don't want that. So I'm going to play this one very close to the chefs. I mean, well, I don't know. Like, well, I, I, well, it, right. it does look like very <laughs> suspicious for this guy. Like, yeah. like, like be suspicious, uh, you know, number one, 101. That's this right here. So. Anyways, um, we got to wrap this up. We do. I got a meeting to get to. But before, I'm going to go get a refill of the best coffee. Our sponsors, Gun Barrel Coffee. Drinking a good smooth cup of coffee is a treat all by itself. But when it helps American heroes like veterans and first responders, it is that much better. They are proud to donate $1 from every single item purchased to veterans and first responder charities all across our great country. Uh, many different blends, though. Moab, the Space Force, which me and Frank are drinking today, the Battleship Roast, um, their Double Dark, that's that guy, uh, their CBD-infused blend, the Medic. All their coffees are smooth without the acid or bitterness you find in so many brews. Uh, they offer 14 different blends and roasts, which you can get all in whole bean ground or single-serve K-Cups. And right now, as a friend of our ship, you can use the promo code FNH10 to save 10% at checkout when you buy their products at GunBarrelCoffee.com. That is promo code FNH10. Gun Barrel Coffee, damn good coffee, damn good cause. Where can they find our shit, Frank? You can find us on Instagram at Friendship News Hour. You can find us on TikTok at Friendship News Hour. You can find us on Twitter at FriendshipNH. And you can email us at bummerdude.media at gmail.com. That's our show. See you next time. Bye.